This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. It's been a slow week, just been looking at uh, the Kenyan markets. I think with the exception of today where we saw um, a B, we hit a B, uh, the other markets, the other days have pretty been uh, quiet, but then it gives us the time to uh, look at other exciting things. We know uh, the fund stocks, especially in the uh, in the US, they they have their earnings this coming week. I think within the next seven days, everyone is excited to see what exactly stuff like Microsoft will do. We've seen guys predicting some forty percent uh, growth in EPS, so we're just looking to see. Uh, what these uh, Nasdaq stocks will do, but then again, mm-hmm. there's been a couple of excitements on the on the crypto. I think mm-hmm. probably you might have covered that uh, in plenty during your previous sessions. But yeah, a slow day in Kenya or a slow week in Kenya is a time to then check all your other uh, things that give you excitement. And for me, that is uh, one crypto, uh, mm-hmm. two commodities, and three the U.S. stock markets. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Felix, what's keeping you busy, man, both locally and and from a local standpoint? Just as Kev has mentioned, whenever the market here is down, we're always looking global. Our market has very few companies that trade. Companies that literally um, make sense in trading. I know we have a lot. Uh, we're seeing Uchumi is racing to zero still, as usual. By the way, Uchumi is a very... Uh, I think I'm personally having a watch list on Uchumi. Um, just so that we we see we we ensure it gets to zero. <laughs> but, but that's something I'm looking <laughs> at. On on the local, <laughs> I think today was a very good day for Bangalore after the results that they released. Something that um, I know most of us were we were definitely hoping for Bamburi to come in handy. Um, as much as because uh, today we saw Bamburi gain about thirteen percent in terms of share price. Uh, uh gain i think that was something that was good something expected though um also we're seeing the volumes that the company hit uh <laughs> also something high kev i think these are some of the things that raised uh today's turnover to a b and you know nowadays whenever we hit a b we need to just go out mm-hmm. and drink some wines and whiskey or <laughs> someone yeah you know i think uh, bamburi did quite well uh, I think it closed the day at 11% up. Um, yeah. And today accounts for most of the gain. Because if you look at here today, I think it's only a paltry 16% up. So that tells you today was the game changer. So yeah, yeah you're right. To your point, today's the day you you have a glass of wine. I have mine with me on standby. Interesting. Uh, with, with me, I, I, have, I have a glass of water here. But... Uh, enjoy the market. So I'm uh, looking at the market via Hisa Hub, I think I'm um, seeing Safaricom moved around 9.42 million shares, KenGen 6.53, Equity 6.29, 6.29 million shares, KCB 4.47, NCB actually moved 1.47, and then uh, Bamburi, as you mentioned, I think they did like 742k uh, in volume, which is quite massive. I think uh, Felix and Kevin, what, when's the last time we saw such volumes in the local market? It's it's uh I to be honest with you I've lost count especially mm-hmm. here today things have been pretty pretty uh, slow but then 
there are those talks that you you can never rule out there are those talks that actually like i was telling someone in the group the young guy uh safaricom accounts for 56% of the total market capitalization that's nse so mm-hmm. and uh, as uh, my advice to him was you know if you want to buy something blindly i'd be more comfortable <laughs> if you bought something like safaricom then that wouldn't give you a sleepless night and mm-hmm. then again whatever happens to safcom whether you're hidden uh, in arm or ruchumi like felix you uh, i mean the spiral effect down will still get you yeah so mm-hmm. uh, yeah to your point I, it's it's been a while since we saw uh, such volumes but then ignore even the uh, the top cup uh, equity kcb and uh, and safaricom two weird names ncba and bamburi i mean really shocked me uh bamburi of course uh, the results uh, explain it all NCB, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure when the books closure is, so I don't know if it was a race uh, to to for books closure or what exactly was happening. I haven't really looked at it, but uh, 1.4 million is quite impressive for, uh, from NCBA. Interesting. I think in the next couple of weeks, say three, uh, between now and right, for the last say for the last two weeks and going forward for the next say six weeks, I think that mm-hmm. a number of co- corporate actions lined up, uh, including a lot of book closures. Uh, dividend yep. payments. So I think we, we we should expect a lot of activity in local accounts, especially from financial institutions, right? Correct, correct, correct. We should uh, expect to see more of those. Interesting. Uh, I think in this, you spoke of Bamburi. Um, uh, the numbers were quite impressive. Um, did they uh, did they say uh, the reason for the for the for the good numbers? Are they supplies? Are they supplying like a major construction or in, uh, infrastructure project locally that rose the demand for 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 their products? I really haven't. Uh, I I haven't heard of any major contract they might have signed. I was just mm-hmm. discussing with uh, one of my friends who is a uh, is a cement guru, and I think he's on the line, and I'll call on him as as much <laughs> as he's quiet. But um, I, the only change I'd seen, and maybe that, that could have been positive, is I know they tapped uh, an executive, but he'll be non. Um, I don't think he has any say. He's just one of those non-exec uh, guys in the board, and it's a guy mm-hmm. from uh, Lafarge Holcim. So that, that and that was around I think two weeks ago. So that was mm-hmm. a booster. But in terms of bottom line and what uh, I know, for for instance, they've had they had an impairment. I think in 2019 or, or around 2018 uh, to their numbers. So. I'm not really sure if this examine we're seeing is just a recovery from the impairments we had seen, or it's actually uh, a matter of um, of uh, increased output or new uh, avenues of sale. So maybe we can tap in uh, a gentleman here called Moses Wireri. Moses, yes, I'm a- we're just discussing the Bamburi numbers, and I know you you look at it top down and bottom up. I, you dream, sleep, and do everything uh, cement. Maybe you can explain <laughs> to us the numbers. No, I think um, okay. My my my. I mean, the numbers look good, but to be mm-hmm. honest with you, if you look at Bamburi's history, mm-hmm. um, the numbers remain quite weak. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you look at you know stuff like Ebira margins. Um, last year it was, I mean, 2019 it was 9.4 percent. That's that's extremely poor if you compare it to, you know, its peers in Tanzania. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, Twiga Cement. Um, this is one of the largest players in Tanzania. In fact, the largest player in Tanzania. It's owned by Hydroberg Cement. It's listed on the Dar es Salaam Stock Exchange. 
And yeah. if you compare, if you do apples to apples, Bamburi, who claimed to be the number one player in Kenya, versus mm-hmm. the number one player in Tanzania, I mean, it's night and day. I mean, if you look at the yeah. Tanzania guys, uh, their margins, net profit margins, bottom line margins, it's 20%. Mm-hmm. They are... ROEs are talking north of 25%. You look at Bamburi, their ROE is just like, you know, 3%, 5%. 3%? Yeah, yeah, it's nothing. It's nothing. I'm telling you, okay. their net profit margin is 3.2%, even with these supposedly good numbers. I think the, 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 the question should be, if you look at the KNBS uh, cement statistics, what they put out in their leading economic indicators, they basically states that in 2020, that's the best year we've ever had in Kenya ever mm-hmm. in terms of cement demand. It grew by 23.7%. Mm-hmm. Yet Bamburi reports a decline in revenues of 5.2%. What does mm-hmm. that say? I mean, it, it basically shows you that the competitive landscape in Kenya is has changed. I think... Uh, National Cement and Mombasa Cement have overtook Bamburi. I think Bamburi is the number three player in Kenya at the moment. I think Bamburi will continue to be under significant pressure when it comes to pricing going forward. Uh, and, you know, the only key upside for Bamburi from where I sit is whether they're going to undertake that clinker project that they've been talking about for the past mm-hmm. three to five years. If mm-hmm. they undertake that project, that's a huge key upside risk for them. But if mm-hmm. they don't, they'll continue to be su- they'll continue suffering because they're being mm-hmm. undercut by national, they're being undercut even by East Africa, Portland. Average prices mm-hmm. for a bag of cement is between 520 to 550. But mm-hmm. you know, we've seen like like East Africa Portland came out a month ago where they're selling a bag of cement for 400 bob. Wow. So cement wow. prices are taking a significant hit. Bamburi had been selling. Just give you a background on Bamburi. 15 years ago, mm-hmm. Bamburi had a market share of 85% in Kenya. Today, uh-huh. Bamburi has a market share of 30%. That's wow. how much they have been hit. So <laughs> in Kenya, I think they'll perform poorly. Uganda is their shining star in uh, human mm-hmm. cement. I think in UG, with the oil pipeline deal that has been signed, we're talking about infrastructure projects worth about 10 billion that will be cons- you know be undertaken. We've seen the pipeline that will start you know from Tanga coming all the way to to Uganda. That's a huge mm-hmm. huge project, and Bamburi should position themselves to be you know uh, through their mm-hmm. subsidiary in, in in Uganda to be the key benefactor. But in UG, there's also National Cement is there as well. They have a one million ton eastern side of Uganda. When they mm-hmm. started production on that line mm-hmm. in 2018, cement prices mm-hmm. in Uganda were 150 dollars per ton. Today it's mm-hmm. 120. So there, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was also pricing pressure in Uganda. Uh, also, there's mm-hmm. uh, an Omani company called Resuit Cement that mm-hmm. are sniffing around. They want to buy out a grinder in in Uganda. Most likely, mm-hmm. that's going to be Kampala Cement. And when that mm-hmm. happens, these guys are loaded. They have a lot of cash. So. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look good for Bamburi at the moment. And then another thing is another key market for Bamburi was Rwanda, but that mm-hmm. border has been closed for about two years now. Uh, mm-hmm. They're not selling anything to Rwanda. Mm-hmm. Um, this accounted for about 25% of their revenues for in, in Hema Cement. Uh, and about 20% of their profits uh, came from Uganda, for I mean, mm-hmm. from Rwanda for, for their Ugandan business. So the mm-hmm. fact that they have lost that market and that market has already been filled by 
guys from Tanzania. So we're talking guys like Dangote Cement, uh, Twiga Cement, Tanga Cement already filled that market. I mean, mm. we're talking that Tanzanians already transporting about between 10 to 15,000 tons of cement mm. per month to Rwanda. Mm-hmm. So for Bamburi to recapture that market, it's going to mm-hmm. be extremely difficult for them. And mention okay. Cimero and everything. Yeah. That makes sense. Sorry, sorry, uh, Eric, I've overtaken your, your right. chat here. That makes sense. But Moses, maybe a couple of questions. One is maybe you could uh, enlighten us on uh, HEMA's contribution to bottom line. What's the total? Because I just I can see from the reports they're talking about a higher turnaround in profitability compared to 2019. I know um, they had uh, uh, some write-ups. Maybe you can take us through that and tell us the total contribution of uh, Uganda to uh, the bottom line. Secondly, I remember talking to you a, a while back and um, Bamburi were putting quite some capex into Klinka, uh, setting up their Klinka business. Not sure if it was somewhere in coast or where. Uh, maybe you can tell us how that also is uh, coming along. Okay, so the last communication I had with management, they said that they are putting up, their plan is to have a, a 1 million to 1.5 million ton in terms of clean capacity. And that is enough to supply or you know their, their, their entire grinding capacity in Kenya. So that would mm-hmm. be a huge, huge upside. Um, just to take you back, Bamburi imports or used to import before 2018 about 500,000 tons of clinker. Mm-hmm. Uh, landed cost in Kenya, we're talking probably around $50, $60 per ton. Mm-hmm. And then they have to transport it from Mombasa all the way to Nairobi because the grinder is in Nairobi at the river. That will cost mm-hmm. them another between $20 and $25 per ton. And then some of that imported clinker would be transported all the way to their plant in Uganda. So you'd find mm-hmm. the end price would be between uh, $100 all the way to Nairobi or at the river, and then mm-hmm. probably another $130, $150 all the way to their plant in, in, in Uganda. So them... Wait, a further 130 bringing it to around 230 No, no, it would be 130 total. Okay, so another, correct. Another $30 thereabouts. So all right. when you're... When, when you're talking about this clinker plan, this is a project that they have been talking about for the past five years. Mm-hmm. Um, let me give you an example of how slow their decision-making process is. They mm-hmm. had been talking about increasing their grinding capacity for about seven years before they actually implemented it in 2018 and it became operational in operation mm-hmm. mid-2018. So mm-hmm. this clinker plant is something they have been talking about for a long time. In terms mm-hmm. of costs, Building a clinker plant in this part of the world going to cost you $200 per ton. And we're talking about a million at least, so $200 million um, mm-hmm. to build that plant. Uh, the, the key risk or the biggest challenge was for them to, what, what, what they call is um, looking around for the deposit, basically prospecting. So they had mm-hmm. been prospecting in Nairobi. They went to Kajiado and mm-hmm. they went to the coast and they decided, yeah, so, I mean, initially it was supposed to be in eastern Uganda, but mm-hmm. some issues there where uh, they even taken to court uh, with regards to how they acquired that land. And mm-hmm. I mean, it was a whole shit show that, mm-hmm. that led to the managing director of Hima Cement at that time, uh, mm-hmm. some guy named Nicholas George, to resign. Mm-hmm. Um, so they shifted their plans and decided, yeah, we'll build it in Kenya. So... Mm-hmm. Since then, we haven't had anything in terms of 
any groundbreaking works, nothing. We, we don't know when this plant is going to come online. I'm mm -hmm. sure, I mean, the last thing they told us was, yeah, we've taken it to the parent company and they're going to, I mean, we're just waiting for them to approve it and then mm -hmm. we build it. Um, your first question on HEMA. Uh, so yeah, 2018, they were facing a lot of issues with the URA. Uh, mm -hmm. that's the Uganda Revenue Authority, so they had to take a provision and uh, pay some fine. Uh, mm -hmm. That's why in, in 2018, they actually made a loss in Uganda of about uh, 900, almost a B. Mm -hmm. And then in 2019, they reduced that loss by, uh, it came to about 913 billion. Um, okay. So this was a mix of a fine, I mean, a payment to URA as well as um, issues related to their to their receivables. So they had to take mm -hmm. a provision on their receivable. So that's mm -hmm. when they made losses in 2018 and 2019. So in 2020, mm -hmm. it was expected that because of that low base, they're going to go back to profitability and that's going to support the group numbers. Thank you. Maybe my final question, and then I can give it over to Eric. You talked about um, uh, nat National Cement, was it? Yes, and EAPC uh, maybe edging out Bamburi out of the top spot here. Yeah? Um, just, just uh, sorry, God. Mm -hmm. oh, sorry. Okay, maybe I can finish and you can address it all. Just looking at uh, 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 comments from Bamburi's notes, and they're talking about yeah. uh, the decline, decline being um, a, a composition of two things. So one, they're talking about a change in product mix. Uh, I don't know what that understand. Maybe you can enlighten us on that. So they say mm -hmm. the group also realized lower average selling prices driven in equal measure by both change in product mix and a pure price decline due to competitive pressure. So my question is, uh, you talked about KNBS talking about 2020 being a, a, a blockbuster year. So my question yeah. is, if EAPC is more so who you're talking about pricing cement at, uh, I think, four and between 400 and 500 Kenya shillings, if they are pricing cement uh, at these levels, and I think we saw these wars with, in the telecom sector between uh, Zane, the then Zane and Safaricom, and that led mm -hmm. to Zane going bust, yeah? So if mm -hmm. National Cement and EAPC are pricing cement at these levels, one, is that uh, sustainable? Are they in mm -hmm. profit? And also maybe you can explain to us uh, what they mix by pure product mix. And I also saw part of their finance costs really came off. Okay. Over so mm -hmm. with regards to, so it's not EAPC. EAPC is, I mean, they just simply cut their products to about 400 shilling a bag. And personally, I think EAPC is, has gone bust it went bust a long time ago in yep. my view so they uh -huh. just need a government bailout but i don't think that's happening we've seen the share price uh taking a slide to about seven shillings now uh -huh. um but but i think the key challenges for bamburi would be is national cement and uh -huh. Mombasa cement national oh. cement because of uh because of the fact that they acquired uh arm assets and uh -huh. what people don't understand or what uh you know, didn't come out clearly in the media or in the, in the mm -hmm. article is that not only did they acquire the Kenyan grinding assets, which is about a million ton uh, grinder and 650,000 tons clinker, they mm -hmm. also acquired the non-cement business mm -hmm. as well as there's a huge project that ARM wanted to do in Kitui, Kitu, I think Kitui, massive, massive project where ARM mm -hmm. had already secured the land, it had proven uh, limestone deposits enough to supply uh, a, a 5 million ton uh, cement mm. facility for more than mm -hmm. 50 years. So mm -hmm. the, that was ARM's crown jewel. And mm -hmm. National Cement managed to get that 
uh, asset as well, which is a huge, huge, huge deal. Because these guys had already finished uh, uh, commissioning a 1.2 million ton in Kajiado, I think in 2019, mm-hmm. early 2019. And then mm-hmm. the same year, they managed to get that asset from the for, you know, peanuts, pennies to the dollar, $50 million. That's nothing, you know. Yeah. And then on mm-hmm. top of that, they managed to secure mining rights from an Indian company in West Pokot. Again, they have proven limestone deposits there. And that's why you are seeing the, the, uh, the guru, uh, the mm-hmm. National Cement CEO, pushing the mm-hmm. government to ban imported clinker because he has already secured all these deposits. He can build yeah. uh, clinker facilities and simply sell it to the third party, sell it to Bamburi, sell it to Mombasa Cement, or sell mm-hmm. it to Savannah, uh, East Africa, mm-hmm. Portland. You know, he has yeah. he's already secured those raw materials. And then another mm-hmm. thing with National Cement, um, you asked whether they're going bust, whether the you know undercutting is sustainable. Mm-hmm. National mm-hmm. Cement is backed by IFC. They have mm-hmm. IFC has a shareholding in National Cement. IFC have supplied IFC together with KCB and uh, Barclays. Now, no mm-hmm. Absa have given these guys about two hundred million dollars just to play around mm-hmm. with, and that's why he acquired uh, ARM. That's why he built a grinding station in in uganda that's why he built another one in akuru that's why mm-hmm. he acquired these other assets and don't be surprised if you see national cement constructing once again um but in terms of the prices yeah prices have been coming off mm-hmm. uh five seven years ago bamburi was selling their products at a premium when everyone else was around 600 shillings a bag bamburi was selling at 650 they're selling at mm-hmm. a premium and that has mm-hmm. been eliminated um, I, I expect this price will continue, mainly due to the mm-hmm. fact that the excess capacity in this market, we're talking mm-hmm. about close to 40, 42% in terms of idle capacity, excess capacity. We can strip out mm-hmm. 42% of the capacity in the market now and still have enough to, to cover mm-hmm. the demand. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, to cover the demand. So okay. there's a lot of excess capacity in Kenya. Um, and that will definitely lead to pricing pressure. I mean, Kenya is not uh, the only area where there's excess capacity. There's excess capacity mm-hmm. in Tanzania, Uganda, Rwanda, all the way to Nigeria, Morocco, and also Southern Africa. So, mm-hmm. you know, that is, you know, we're expecting that to happen because demand isn't, wasn't growing as fast as it did prior to the 2020 numbers. Um, mm-hmm. So they are basically fighting for you know, a, a pie that's not growing as fast as, as it used to be. Uh, pre yeah. 10 years ago, it used to grow 10% plus. Uh, mm-hmm. After that, it's about 5 6% year on year. And then in 2017, we actually show, uh, saw a dip in demand and then, you know, a recovery in 2019, a slight recovery in 2018, 2019, mm-hmm. and then the big, big jump in twenty in 2020, which, to be honest with you, I don't know what the, <laughs> the driver is. But mm-hmm. uh, on your question on product mix, so if you look at Bamburi's portfolio, mm-hmm. it's a 52.5 grade cement, that's what they call power max. Mm-hmm. And then uh, together with a 42.5 grade cement, that's also called power max. So there's uh, two grades of power max. And then mm-hmm. Guvu is what we all know, that's a 32.5 grade cement. And then mm-hmm. Tembo is a 32.5 grade cement. And then they introduce Fundi, which is basically a plastering cement that's 22.5 grade. So the higher the grade, so mm-hmm. the power power max, that's what was used for the SGR. So the higher mm-hmm. the grade, the higher the margins. Uh-huh. Yeah? The lower the mm-hmm. grade, so with uh, the lower the grade, the lower the margins. 
So when they say a poor portfolio mix or you know, because of their product mix, it's because they're selling more of their lower grade cements or lower mm. margin business mm. or uh, products uh, compared to previous years. And the reason they are doing that is because, you know, there's no public project that Bamburi is aggressively uh, benefiting from. They benefited mm. a lot from SGR phase one, not yeah. so much on SGR phase two. Mm-hmm. You know? um, yeah. The expressway, I have no idea whether they're supplying, but we're not seeing that in the numbers, mm-hmm. to be honest, because you mm-hmm. see an uptick in revenues. Um, mm-hmm. But but when they talk about poor product mix, it's all about, you know, uh, they're selling more of the 32. More of the, the 32.5 tembo, yeah? yeah? I mean, the, the interesting thing is, if you look at uh, what they introduce in the market, they introduce tembo. Tembo is exactly the same as Google in terms of mm. uh, chemical characteristics, how it's, you know, it manages, how it sets, exactly like Google. But Tembo mm. is priced lower than Google. So why would I, as a customer, purchase Google? Mm. You know, I'd rather get Tembo. It's the same thing. So yeah. they have been cannibalizing their other products. So Tembo has been cannibalizing Google. Mm. So in, instead of moving the customer up the the scale up the price point mm-hmm. they're actually pushing the customer to lower price points and that's why you are seeing that having a major impact on their revenues well, um, okay thanks a lot moses eric i think i think this is something interesting i know davis wants to say something davis oh davis please yeah sorry great discussion i, I wanted to ask Moses, do you have statistics or the latest numbers on um, market share with regard to which company has the largest market share and the like? And then also, um, Bamburi adding Fundi to the mix, isn't that a response to the participants who price their products lower? Because I know Bamburi, well, they charge like 600 and you can get others uh, a bag at roughly 500. So Fundi was added to the mix in order to be competitive in a matter of speaking. And so, uh, and especially considering Bamburi's, <clears throat> um, what's the impact of the company, the fact that they can get uh, funding and the like, wouldn't they be the most, wouldn't they profit the most from a price war in that they would continue it for the longest time, price the price their opponents out in a sense, and then take up that market share, especially with this, um, product, I guess, that cases that meets the needs of the masses, like Fundi. Okay, uh, good questions. So let me start with the last one. Um, with regards to the parent company, you'd think that yeah, Bamburi would be something that they would consider as a as a jewel in Africa, as a jewel in East Africa, considering Bamburi has never recorded a loss. Um, and and the and the dividends has been decent. I mean, decent, uh, but Lafarge Wholesome Group, whenever they talk about Middle East Africa region, only three countries pop up, Egypt, Nigeria, Algeria. And the reason for that is that Nigeria, I mean, let's start off with Egypt. Egypt is, in terms of semen capacity, they have close to 80 million tons. Uh, this is the largest uh, uh, country, I mean, the largest capacity in a, in a country in Africa. In terms of prices in Egypt, you're talking, in Kenya, it's about $75, $77 per ton. 
in Egypt are talking about uh, selling prices of $42 per ton. And the reason for that is there was a new capacity that came online about two years ago, and this capacity is owned by the army. I'm talking like KDF owning a cement plant. And these guys, this capacity is 12 million tons, and they came in and cut prices aggressively, putting a lot of cement companies out of business, and a lot of them are loss-making. So Lafarge Wholesim is really focused on that market. It's one of the biggest market in terms of demand. And they need, I mean, they're looking at ways of how to become profitable in that market. Algeria is similar, 40 million tons in terms of uh, capacity. Uh, demand is about 25, 30 million tons, uh, and it keeps on growing. And but, but the beauty with Algeria is that it gives you a doorstep into Francophone Africa. So from uh, Algeria, you can go into uh, Niger, you can go into Burkina Faso, Benin, all, all those Francophone West African countries. You know, that's the key, the key market for them. And it's, it's, it's going to be a huge, huge, huge market for Lafarge also. And the third one is uh, Nigeria, most populous country in the world. I mean, in, in Africa, sorry. And the reason why they, they focus on Nigeria is the returns in Nigeria are crazy. I'll just give you an example. I mean, just put in context, the three biggest players in Nigeria is Lafarge, uh, Dangote Cement, and there's a new player called Boa Cement. In terms of net profit margin for Boa Cement and Dangote, it's 35%, 35%. Those are the kinds of margins these guys are playing around with. Dangote, in terms of a bidder margin, you're talking about 60%. Okay, that has come off to about 58, but on average, it's been about 60%. These guys are killing. They're making a lot of money. And Lafarge has, Lafarge Wholesome Group has backed Lafarge subsidiary in Nigeria. They backed them in 2018 and 2019. How? Uh, the two rights issue that are, that are done in Nigeria. And the reason why they did the rights issue was just to remove the debt that was sitting in in their subsidiaries books. The debt was about $400 million. And Lafarge came in and bought out and basically took on that debt into the parent company and gave them the cash straight up. And then uh, in 2019 as well, there was, uh, so the, the subsidiary in Nigeria was merged with the, the subsidiary in South Africa. So in 2019, Lafarge basically bought out the South African business from the Nigerian business. Now the Nigerian business is a standalone business. In terms of uh, the importance of a country for to Lafarge Holding Group, that is shown by the quick decision making, and that was, you know, shown, you know, to the Nigerian subsidiary in 2018 and 2019 when they did the two rights issue and, you know, basically decoupled the Nigerian business from the South African business. That cost Lafarge Holding Group probably a tune of about $600 million. But in Bamburi's case, you know, all they needed is just a yes and uh, a funding from Lafarge Holding probably to the tune of about $250 million, get that project up and running, 18 months it's done, they're making a lot of money, but that's not happening because Kenya is too small, not Kenya, East Africa is too small for Lafarge Holding Group, to be honest with you. Look at their subsidiary in Tanzania. It's called bare cement, loss making, absolutely loss making. But do they care? No, they don't care. They don't want to support it because it's too small. It's nothing. It's absolutely nothing in their books. So that that's the key reason why 
I think it will take a, a longer time for Lafarge Holcim to even recognize and support Bamburi. In terms of, I mean, when you talk about Bamburi leading the price cut war, um, I don't think so. I mean, at that moment in time, Bamburi were, Bamburi has been very comfortable for a very long time, probably 20 years. They have been very comfortable. They have been making a lot of money. They have been pricing at a premium. But now with the new threat, the new threat that just you know emanated in 2017, 2016 from Mombasa Cement, who are owned by Tororo Cement in Uganda, as well as National Cement, Bamburi now is reacting rather being, than being proactive, to be honest with you. And, the, and, and I think the fact that you know they're introducing products that cannibalizing their other products in, in their portfolio is a wrong move. With regards to Fundi, Fundi is completely different. Fundi, they are targeting a niche market. But if you look at Tembo and Govu, I think it was a wrong move for them to introduce Tembo in the market. Why couldn't they just reduce the price of Tembo and you know, become competitive with, with the other players in the market? Because let's be honest, when you're buying cement, we don't care. You know, We don't ask questions about quality. We always want to know what's the price point. The cheaper it is, um, and, the, and, and the fact that the brand is known within the country, that's what you're going to buy. Um, I think, did I address all your questions, David? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're just, well, you have chat or statistics on market share. Maybe you can share with us. Yeah, I can, I can share with you what I have uh, in terms of market share. I can, I can put it on Excel and then just send it to you, no worries. Uh, but I can't send you the model. <laughs> Of, of the industry <laughs> yeah unfortunately yeah, okay. i can send it to him if he talks to me nicely sorry like i can send it to him if he talks to me nicely i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, Moses, maybe maybe just as you address that i'm sorry i'm taking you a little bit back egypt you say they have a eight was the 80 million the capacity or the demand 80 million is a capacity demand. Demand is about between 40 and 50. 40 and 50. So in terms of uh, capacity, Egypt is number one in Africa. Egypt is number one in Africa. In terms of Nigeria. Then Nigeria. In terms of demand? Egypt is number one. Oh, okay. Yeah, Egypt is number one. I mean, North Africa, they're very, they have a very healthy demand, to be honest with you. So looking at Egypt, looking at Algeria, Morocco. Uh, we're talking about basically like Morocco, the entire demand of East Africa, the five countries in East Africa is slightly less than the demand in Morocco. So wow. we, we are tiny, we're small, we're very small. We're very wow. small. Yeah. I mean, like if you look at Nigeria, Nigeria mm -hmm. demand in 2020 was about 27 million tons. In Kenya, 27. And that's a mm -hmm. bad year. I mean, it's a bad year. In Kenya, mm -hmm. we are what, 7 million tons, and it's a good year. You know? Wow. So, but in, in, in West Africa, it's a completely different animal uh, compared so what's, to East Africa. What's the, the EA total demand roughly? EA total demand. Hold on. Mm -hmm. Let me just give it to you right now. Eric, anyone else with a question? Uh, please okay. feel free. Uh, uh, great, great insights, Moses. Uh, I think you, you 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 elaborated quite well on what's happening in, in the in 
in the regional market, particularly in Tanzania and uh, Uganda. I never knew uh, Uganda contributed such huge margin towards Bamburi's um, uh, numbers. I think um, uh, the other thing that I, I don't know if you know that around if they're supplying any, if, if, they, are, if they have any contract towards supplying the Nairobi Expressway. Uh, the other one was on um, uh, just a quick one, your comments on uh, what's the impact of the exit of ARM into the local the local and TZ markets, and if they are facing any competition in TZ with regards to uh, Dangote cement operations. Okay, so Kevin, the East Africa total consumption is about mm -hmm. 17 million tons as of mm -hmm. 2020. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. So TZ, um, okay, with regards to Bamburi getting a contract for the express here, to be honest with you, I don't know. That's something uh, we are going to ask them on the conference call. But um, with regards to Tanzania, I mean, I think, to be honest with you, TZ is a more, more exciting market to cover. It's, 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 I mean, it's dominated by Heidelberg. Um, Heidelberg is a big, it's the second largest uh, building materials company in the world. Uh, it's German, and uh, I mean, uh, they own a subsidiary in Tanzania called Twiga Cement, or it's called Tanzania Portland Cement. That's what's listed on the on the DSC. Um, TZ also has huge capacity. Uh, it has capacity of about 11 million tons, if I'm not wrong. And a large portion of that is from Dangote. It's about yeah, 11.36 million tons. A large portion of that is Dangote. Dangote has 3 million tons. Uh, ARM had uh, about one, oh, they had 750,000 tons in Dar es uh, They had uh, a 1.2 million ton clinker plant in Tanga in northern Tanzania. And then they were building another grinder in northern Tanzania in Tanga. That was going to be about 750,000 tons. Um, but what happened with the ARM when they went bust is that these assets were sold to Wangxing Cement. Wangxing Cement is a Chinese player, 42% um, owned by Lafarge Holcim Group. Um, so they have a very strong relationship with Lafarge Holcim. We saw that in China when Lafarge Holcim wanted to exit uh, or to sell their, some of the assets in China, it was Wangxing that actually bought them. In terms of free cash flow, uh, Wangxing is making a, a lot of money uh, in terms of free cash flow. Um, so they, they do have very deep pockets. They paid 160 million tons, I mean, $160 million to purchase uh, ARM's facilities in Tanzania. So how did that play out? So the problem with ARM's strategy when they went into TZ in 2012 was the fact that the distance between their clinker plant and their grinding plant was about 350 kilometers. So they produce clinker, travel by road all the way to Dar es Salaam, and that's where they'll grind it and make cement and then sell it to across across the, the, the nation. Uh, so that would cost them the tune of about $25 to $30 per ton just to transport it uh, over that distance. So that, that was technically a fixed cost. So it was very difficult for them to, to reduce on that cost because that's part of their strategy. Um, this, this is because, I mean, the fact that they're doing that, they're competing with a player who's already in Dar es Salaam. That's uh, Heidelberg. Heidelberg, I mean, 
they simply crushed the RM. The RM could not keep up with what Heidelberg were doing. Heidelberg has a capacity of about 2 million tons in Dar es Salaam. And then in terms of uh, clinker capacity, is about 1 million tons. And then if you go further south to Mtwara, southern tip near the border of Mozambique, that's where Dangote is. So Dangote is about 400 kilometers from Dar es Salaam. Dar es Salaam accounts for about 55% of the national cement demand in Tanzania. So Dangote has to transport his products all the way to Dar es Salaam just to, to get market share. Um, so it cost him a, between 30 and $35 per ton just to, to transport his product to Dar es Salaam. If he's transporting to the other key demand centers, that's uh, Arusha and uh, Mwanza, which are over a thousand kilometers away, you get the idea of how much he has to spend in terms of transportation costs to compete in those markets. But for a guy like uh, you know Heidelberg, Heidelberg, whatever they produce, I mean, last year they produced about 1.9 million tons and they have a nameplate capacity of 2 million tons. So they produce about 1.9 million tons. 88% of that is distributed using third parties. So initially, um, I mean, let me take you back about you know, back in the day, Heidelberg was the only cement player in Tanzania before ARM, before Tanga Cement, before Dangote. They were the only player. So what used to happen, people would come and pay a deposit or prepay for their cement. You know, to this day, that still happens with some of their clients. They still prepay uh, for their cement even before it's produced. So once it's produced, it's just shipped to them. So demand has been growing in Tanzania very strongly on the back of the infrastructure pipeline. Um, the SGR they're building, the roads they're doing, the shifting to Dodoma. So demand has been growing at about 6-7%. And over the next five years, it's expected to grow at about 6-7%. Um, basically, at par with GDP or slightly better with GDP. So demand in Tanzania remains very, very strong. Uh, you know, when it comes to the cement industry, it's all about location, location, location. So the fact that uh, Heidelberg is based in Dar es Salaam, I mean, nobody can compete uh, with Dar es Salaam. Yeah. I mean, uh, you've mentioned Dangote spending even more than ARM at uh, 30 yeah. to 35, and ARM is around 20 to 20, uh, 25 to 30. Where do yeah. Heidelberg have, uh, where is their clinker plant? You want to tell me they do their clinker, uh, they have their clinker plant and the grinder both in Dar es Salaam? Heidelberg is the only integrated plant in Dar es Salaam. Oh, so they get their clinker right from Dar es Salaam, grind it and yes. sell it? Yes, okay. yes, yes. They, they produce their clinker. They have their quarry uh, about 20, 20 kilometers outside of Dar. Uh -huh. So that's where their quarry is. They produce mm -hmm. their clinker there. And then they make cement. I mean, their plant is based in an area called Wazo Hill. So it's not at in, in the city yeah, center, but it's slightly. It's on the outskirts of Dar es Salaam. And then on well, top of that, what they did, mm -hmm. what they uh -huh. did was the current quarry can supply their plant for about 30 years. And then mm -hmm. in 2019, they managed to secure another 150 million tons of limestone. That's that's mm -hmm. enough to, to take them for another 80. 150 what? Million tons of limestone. Wow. Uh -huh. So they have already secured the key ingredient to make clinker for mm -hmm. the next now over 100 years. They've already secured that in 2019. You know, And that is based in Dar es Salaam. So for mm -hmm. them, for anybody to compete with them, they're the only integrated plant. Okay, there are two integrated plants, Heidelberg and like a smaller one called Lake Cement. Lake Cement Lake is very Cement. small. Yeah, it's tiny. It's like, it's like 750,000 tons. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, mm-hmm. it's tiny. But Heidelberg, very difficult to, to 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 compete with them in Tanzania, and that's and that's why they have a market share of about thirty five percent. That's why they're the kings of 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 TZ. I mean, they're very well run company. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see that in their numbers. Like I said, uh, I mean, their profits increased twenty five percent year on year in twenty twenty. Uh, they're Net profit margin is strong. Uh, return on equity is north of twenty five percent. They're doing extremely yeah. well in TZ. Totally. So I mean, in terms of competition, Dangote mm-hmm. is being very aggressive. Let me when when he started production in mm-hmm. twenty sixteen, mm-hmm. he undercut the other guys. He undercut everybody in the market. So prices yeah. in 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 Uganda, I think, in TZ, about was about hundred dollars then. So he undercut mm-hmm. guys to around sixty dollars. Pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the only profitable company during that period was Hydrogen. They did yeah. not make a loss, even at sixty dollars per ton. They were not making losses because mm. they were and pushing volumes and they were selling everything that they produce. I, I don't know if I'm getting it right or I'm mixing facts in my head. Did ARM have an issue with the Tanzanian government uh, regarding that clinker plant? No, not really. Okay, no. maybe I'm mixing it up in my head. Eric, no, anyone no, else with no. a question? Maybe um, I think... <laughs> something else on, uh, on on the cement industry. Uh, maybe you can speak about uh, how the Ethiopian market looks like because I think sometime back there were reports that uh, it's much cheaper producing in Ethiopia than most of these uh, East African countries. Does that affect the, the, the pricing of cement? Moses? Oh, yeah. Okay, so Ethiopia, let me give you the stats right now with regards to Ethiopia. I mean, it has a huge capacity as well. Ethiopia talking, is it 20, yeah, well, 17 million tons? The biggest player there is, uh, okay, Dangote is big there. He has a 2.5 million tons in the market. Uh, in terms of demand, demand isn't as strong in Ethiopia. It's about... 7.6 million tons, similar to Kenya. The the issue with Ethiopia is the fact that um, they basically built out a lot of capacity in anticipation of a lot of infrastructure projects happening. Ethiopia, I mean, you know, with a population there, 100 million, I mean, still uh, has a lot to catch up with, uh, let's be honest, Kenya in terms of infrastructure, in terms of, um, you know, a lot of things. So Ethiopia, they, I mean, this they, they they had an issue in terms of repatriation so you'd you'd find someone like dangote making a killing in ethiopia ethiopia is the is the second most profitable market for dangote cement out, out after nigeria so he makes about i mean a bit of margin for him in ethiopia we're talking about 40 45 percent there thereabouts uh so he'd make a lot of money in ethiopia but he can't take that money out because the central bank doesn't have the funds Anybody who has funds in Ethiopia, I mean, and a multinational would not be able to get their dollars out. So what would they do? They'd simply invest it in real estate. Even the individuals there would simply invest in real estate and stuff like that. That's why you're seeing, and, and mainly that is focusing on Addis. So that's why you see uh, demand in Ethiopia looking quite strong. I think it's been growing about double digits for, um, for the past three years, but now it's slowed down. Um, so that, that is a key thing with Ethiopia. There's a lot of people who would want to invest 
in Ethiopia, a lot of multinationals. I know Heidelberg wanted to invest in Ethiopia uh, in 2017, but the key risk for them was repatriation. And just to give put that in context, Dangote has about close to $150 million stuck in Ethiopia. You know, so he can't get that money out. And that's $150 million is enough to almost double his capacity in Ethiopia. So he's toying with the idea of, okay, if 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 I can't get this money out, let me look at you know doubling my capacity in Ethiopia. But you know, on the flip side, he'll need dollars. He need to uh, dollars to get the parts, you know, bring people in and stuff like that. So it's it's, it's something that's not working out for him. And uh, just to put it, I mean, put it another way, for Dangote to to repatriate about ten million dollars will take him six months. So if you have over hundred fifty million dollars tucked there. It take you a long time, uh, you know, to repatriate the money. But Ethiopia, I mean, I mean, it has the same uh, similarities with, with East Africa, with West Africa in terms of there's a lot of overcapacity. And then in addition to that, um, last year there was talks about uh, prices increasing in Ethiopia, which was largely driven by a shortage. So the government decided to start importing cement for the next one year. So between I mean, between uh, December 2020 and December 2021, they're going to import about 16 million tons of cement. Uh, where these imports are coming from, to be honest, I, I don't know. But this is something the Ethiopian government put out. And what impact would that have on prices? Definitely, that's going to 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 lower prices in Ethiopia. So why are they importing 16 million tons, Moses? Because there was a shortage. Was a, a shortage with year. overcapacity there. Yeah, yeah, there was a shortage. I mean, you know, guys would hoard cement, you know, and wait uh-huh. to cross that artificial price increase and then start okay. selling them. So it was mainly distributors who are doing that, not the cement company. Mm-hmm. So the government said, you know what? We're importing. We're importing 16 million tons. Like I said, their demand is 7 million tons. Their capacity, industry capacity is 17 million tons. So they're importing 16 million tons. Whoa, that's almost three times. So they are going to flood that market. Um. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. And what's, to see what's what the issue out. with the uh, repatriation of cash? Uh, the CBK there, the, the CBE doesn't have uh, dollars. Dollars. And, and yeah, currency. yeah, it does. It does have dollars. Um, to be honest, it does have dollars. And uh, just to answer your question on costs, yeah, costs are much lower in Ethiopia than. Let me compare it with East Africa. I mean, if you look at, uh, I think we're having this chat with. Uh, I can't remember who, but on the group, Ethiopia, the power costs about three US cents per kilowatt hour, way lower three, than Kenya, mm-hmm. three US cents. So mm-hmm. it's very, very cheap for for companies. I mean, we're talking three bob, three bob per kilowatt hour. Yeah. So it's very, very cheap. And this is before this Renaissance dam is completed and, you know, you know sorting that out. So it's going to go much lower. So a lot of these guys were... I mean, I know Dangote is relying on, was, was basically using the power grid because it's very cheap. They're relying on that to produce the cement. But then, I mean, on the flip side, there's a lot of power cuts in Ethiopia. So they suffered mm. a lot of that in 2019. So you'd produce cement and then there's a power cut, you chill, you know, something like that. So that mm. affected their, their business as well. But in terms of production, yeah, the power costs are lower. Uh, Ethiopia, you can source all local materials there. As I'm talking gypsum, limestone, all that. You can source it there, cheaper rate, mm-hmm. and then you sell your cement. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out.
Bali okay, okay. is a key risk. All right, thank you very much Moses. Over to you Eric. Cool. Um I think uh maybe just to pick up a little bit. I I don't really know if if we should touch on anything else cuz it's been we've been cementing a lot this this yeah. evening. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, the data that we've got from Moses is it's it's just something to retire with tonight. I told you he's the guru in this field, eh? <laughs> but yeah. but Moses Moses I hope you'll be able to share um some of your data just as you said uh, probably just so guys can be able to see where uh, all this data is actually uh, coming from and then it will also just be interesting maybe just as we uh, start um winding up Moses do you really think that listed companies mostly uh, this is just focusing on Bamburi and um, and, and and Portland cement do you think there's a future for them for investors who are currently holding this stock? Um, do you think there would be a point that we would see uh, Bamburi regain market share uh, for, for, for the company so as to be able to give investors return? Because I know most of our listeners are actually just asking, with all this information, would you really consider um, uh, would you really consider investors to, to, to possibly make a purchase on this stock or those who are currently holding to hold and just also just a clarification to everybody who's listening whatever we say on this show is not an investment advice this is basically our yep. opinion yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, I should put that, yeah thank you for putting that disclaimer out there uh, as well as i'm not representing you know my company's view this is my personal view um so you asked about is africa portland no don't i mean i think it's a it's a dead company i don't see any future in it yeah. um there's a lot of politics. That's the problem with this company. There's a lot of politics going on around this company. So the plan for turnaround strategy was to sell land, use those funds to basically modernize the, com- uh, the facilities, and then start being in a position to start competing with the big boys. But there's been a lot of issues surrounding that. And the fact that technically it is not a state-owned entity because the government through the treasury does not own majority stake but the government takes the position of the stake of nssf as part of government stake so that's why people think that you know the apcc is a government-run institution but technically it should not be Uh, and the other big shareholder is lafarge lafarge i mean bamburi you know yeah lafarge holds him and they might they they tried coming in to improve operations uh they seconded a um this uh, CEO of uh, Simero is now the CEO of Simero. Used to be at uh, at EAPC as mm. the operations director, just trying to improve that. They they try bringing their own people here, charge technical fees to improve the operations in EAPC, but they are chased out because of politics. You know, people are saying, "Oh, you're earning money from Lafarge as well as Portland. Why is that?" You know, blah blah blah. You know, nonsense. So mm. EAPC political pawn, I would not put my money there. I would not put it there. Bamburi is interesting. I mean, I've been covering Bamburi for a long time, probably six years now. Uh, so I know the company very, very well. Um, historically, I haven't been a, a fan of Bamburi. Mm-hmm. Always, you know, I always had a set recommendation on the stock. Um, 
But now it looks very interesting because it's it's unbelievably cheap. It's extremely cheap. The only other <coughs> cheap, cheaper cement company, listed cement company in Africa is uh, Heidelberg in Tanzania, as well as Lafarge, Lafarge subsidiary in Nigeria. Those ones are cheaper in terms of trading multiples because they're trading at between three, 3.5 times if you better. Uh, Bamboo is about 4.9 times if you bit so it looks extremely cheap um and then you've taken consideration the strong balance sheet um you know the cash that they're holding as at end of 2020 is about 23 percent of their market cap which is a very strong position to be in. they have zero debt in their books okay minimal debt in their books uh but on the flip side once you start taking the industry challenges bring that into into the fore you start seeing, okay, what's start questioning management, to be honest with you, the quality of management. You start comparing that quality of management, the CEO, the CFO, uh, to the other, to its competitors, even to someone like Heidelberg in, in Tanzania. You know, I personally think Heidelberg mm -hmm. subsidiaries in Africa have better management than Lafarge mm -hmm. uh, subsidiaries in Africa. The reason why I say that is that if you look at the CEO, uh, Heidelberg TZ. This guy has he worked at Benin in West Africa for over seven years before he was transferred into to Tanzania. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the CEO Sadiq uh, from I'm um, from Bamburi, they brought him from Morocco. If you compare the market dynamics in Morocco versus not only Kenya but Sub-Saharan Africa, it's completely, absolutely day and night, it's completely different because Morocco is more, it's more Euro affiliated. It's like Europe, completely like Europe, you know? They, they, there's no competition, no pricing competition in Morocco. It's all about uh, product uh, competition and you no know, cost controls, but they don't undercut each other. I mean, in Morocco prices there at about $115 per ton, you know? And then you bring someone like that to Bamburi, where prices have been declining, um, then you start questioning yourself, okay, does he even know this is African market well? You know, I mean, how long will it take him to, to understand this market? He, he may be surrounded by a great team, you know, but it's all about implementing the strategy, implementing the ideas and everything. So I, I personally think Bamburi management is, I mean, technically they're good, but it takes a long time for these expatriates to understand what the hell is happening in this market. Uh, all in all, I think Bamburi is very cheap. I think they have a very strong balance sheet. Bound on the flip side, I think, ah, man, they, they are on the back foot. I think they are reacting rather than being proactive. And that's <laughs> a good position to be. And I think that the third, the third biggest player in this market, I think National Cement and Mombasa Cement have overtaken them. And I think that this, the strategies that they are currently employing are not working. And, and another thing I need to, to question is, you know, these cost control strategies that they, they mentioned in the commentary. I mean, if you look at the two biggest cost line items for Bamburi is imported clean power as well as energy costs. Energy costs is mainly power costs and fuel. So for power costs, there's nothing they can do about that aside from building their own power plant, which is something Bamburi has never considered doing. 
Um, so they rely on the grid for that. Fuel costs in Kenya, the fuel mix, they rely a lot on imported coal. So they import coal from, they say, or Middle East. Yeah. So in terms mm -hmm. of percentages, coal mm -hmm. is about 88%, you know, 88%. And then they introduced pet coke. Uh, this was introduced two years ago. And then they introduced um, alternative fuel. So we're talking about tire waste, biomass, uh, mm -hmm. waste oil, all that, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm. You know, in Kenya, it will take a long time for them to to get to the point where Uganda is in terms of fuel needs. So you should expect um, energy costs to decline. But if you look at 2019 numbers, it declined by about 3%, you know. So Did you mention 88% coal powered? Coal, 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 yeah, coal. Okay. Coal is 88%, you know. And mm. then they have a bit of HFO, which is used to start the kill. Yeah, that, that's nothing, it's like 1%. The, 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 the balance is alternative fuels. But if you compare that to UG, UG has a lot in terms of alternative fuels, which is basically green energy, uh, mm -hmm. which is what is, you know, all these climate guys uh, want, want uh, pushing for the cement industry. In Uganda, mm -hmm. it's at 66%, you know? So wow. they're doing extremely well in UG, but in mm -hmm. Kenya, there is a long, long way to go. And in, in UG, they don't expect that to change because they, they basically say that beyond that is an inverse relationship with, in terms of uh, with, with the quality of clinical that is produced. So mm. expect Uganda to maintain a 66% alternative fuel. So in Kenya, that's where a lot of work needs to be done. But you shouldn't expect such a huge decline in cost controls, to be honest. Um, the other one is imported coal. I mean, if they increase their volumes in 2020, then definitely the, the amount of imported coal, I mean, imported clinker that they need mm -hmm. will be much higher. The reason I'm saying that is Bamburi, whatever clinker they produce in Kenya, they have mm -hmm. 1 million tons in, in, in the coast, whatever clinker mm -hmm. they produce in Kenya, that's what is used to produce the higher grade cement because they can control the quality of the higher mm -hmm. grade cement. So that's why majority of what they're producing in Kenya is used for the higher grade cement. For this 32.5 and the 22.5, which mm -hmm. is what you know the Kenyan market is, we're 32.5 grade market. You know, we're not mm -hmm. like Nigeria where it's a 42.5 grade market. We're 32.5 mm -hmm. grade market. So whatever mm -hmm. is used, whatever clinker is used for that, mm -hmm. it's a it's all imported clinker. So if 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 your product mix is poor because you're selling more of the lower margin products, that mm. means the imported clinker should increase because if, if that's what you're using to produce the lower lower margin mm. products. Mm. You know? So yeah. I've been I've been trying to I've been hitting my head on the wall trying to understand what is this cost control strategy that these guys are talking about? Is it mm. because last year there was in terms of commodity prices it's been a very it's been a low environment, oil hit zero, so they benefited, or mm -hmm. the fact that the pandemic started last year, the cost control measures meant people are not going to work, there's less travel, there's, you know, did they let uh, some staff go, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I, I honestly think, if they're talking about cost control strategies, they're talking about costs that they have greater influence over, and those costs mm -hmm. that they have greater influence over are admin mm -hmm. costs, 
energy cost when it comes to the power cost no way they don't mm-hmm. have uh influence on that that's a government they can lobby the government but that will never change on the fuel side yes it's been incrementally coming declining um, mm-hmm. but if you look at even uh the administration cost last year it declined aggressively it came down i mean in 2019 it came down mm-hmm. 34% So what does mm-hmm. that mean? Did they fire people? I mean, did they fire the contractors? What, what's going on with Baburi? So my question mm-hmm. would be to management, this cost control strategy, what are they and are they sustainable? Should we see the same going forward in 2021? Honestly, yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. So and maybe those, those, yeah. Okay. Go on, go on. No, 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 those sorry. are the kind of things I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with. So mm-hmm. right now, I would, if, if I had to, put my man, money in my mouth, would mm-hmm. I buy Bamburi at, I think, 43 shillings? I'd say it's cheap, mm-hmm. but I'd say there are better opportunities. If you want to play in the cement sector, there are better opportunities out there. I would, okay. I would not focus <laughs> on Bamburi. Maybe, Maybe one thing I can, I can tell Eric is, uh, I think I've known Moses for quite a while, and he's been very... Uh, skeptical about Bamburi. Actually, as a matter of fact, I was asking this a few days ago, is he, because he just changed his rating from uh, a buy, but he, again, he's not representing his company here, but he's changed his view from a sell to a buy purely on price action, yeah? So, and I, I looked at Bloomberg, yeah, I, I looked at Bloomberg earlier today in terms of uh, consensus estimate uh, on uh, target price. And we had it at, at, at 50. So that's an average of all the analysts' uh, recommendations. So trading at 43, I think I'd agree with Moses in terms of um, uh, if you're looking for an upside, I mean, seven, seven shillings is, or could be the uh, potential upside. We've already covered much of that now with a 13% gain today. So I'd look into Bamburi with, uh, I, I, I'd be very cautious or skeptical when looking at Bamburi, but that said again, I think in terms of the cement space here, I defy a bit with Moses. In terms of cash positions, these guys are king. Um, uh, in terms of this space, I know National Cement has really uh, taken part of their lead, but I think I, I wouldn't really write off Bamburi. But in the medium term, I wouldn't consider it uh, sort of uh, an investable option. I, I mean, we have better options in our in our market. Either way, thank you very much, Moses, for, uh, no for the insights. Eric, over to you. I know we are short of time. Inter- uh, this was an interesting discussion. Um, maybe one last point will be on, uh, Bamburi actually announced a dividend, uh, they, they announced a dividend of three shillings. I think books close around July, if I'm not wrong. Uh, do you think this might be a catalyst for the share price to go up, Kevin? I mean, uh, I, I, sorry, you've just reminded me something I wanted to ask Moses also. Is it a good idea, Moses, for Bamburi to pay out this dividend? But then again, when you look in terms of cash, these guys are cash rich, yeah? Uh, so Moses said, I think, around 20% of their total market cap in cash or cash uh, equivalent. So wow. I think three shilling, we're talking about 7% dividend uh, yield. Mm-hmm. Currently, at the current environment, that's a very good yield. I think the only other player we've seen giving better was, was it Coop or who was it? I think Coop was also at 7% or 9%, yeah? So in terms of dividend yield, that's a really good dividend yield. But the problem with Bamburi is the, as I was advising the, uh, the young man today in the group, is uh, liquidity. Get onto a company that, um, you know, is highly liquid. And I, as we earlier on stated, with the exception of today, 
I, I can't remember the last time we saw such volumes on, on Bamburi. So yes, you could get in for a 7% dividend yield, but then you might be stuck there for way, way longer. Or you, I mean, if you needed to exit as an emergency exit, you might end up losing more than the 7% you went in for. So again, unless you're getting on to it long term, I think it's a somewhat a, a solid company and i think it can it can have an overhaul of uh, the operations and maybe regain market share but then again we're, we're not talking about uh, short to medium these are uh, a long-term thing so i wouldn't get onto it just for the three shillings dividend no okay interesting interesting yeah, yeah. um i think i think that's something very interesting um looking onto bamburi and thanks a lot moses for sharing um no so problem. guys no guys i think i i also share the same sentiment mostly when it comes to portland cement uh, i think portland cement is the uchumi of the cement industry so totally. we're looking at another <laughs> can, can i we're touch on the dividend yeah yes can please. i touch on bamburi's dividend um yeah. i mean yeah i mean kevin is right i mean with a, with a very strong balance sheet that these guys have and the fact that they managed to uh increase their collections from receivables and then inventory turnover they managed to i mean improve their operating cash flows and that's why they can afford these three shillings and that's a seven percent dividend yield i mean but you know the way i like looking at things is is relatively so i mean if i'm looking at bamburi i'm looking at you know heidelberg in tanzania how are they performing if you look at heidelberg in tanzania the last year uh the the in 20 for their 2020 financials they increased their dividend by 34 percent so historically they're paying 290 tanzania shillings per share but they increased that to 390 tanzania shillings per share you know and in terms of yield dude, we're talking about a dividend yield of more than 10 percent we're talking about a dividend yield of 16 percent wow you know wow. i mean mm-hmm. it's it's and this is a company like i said it's trading really 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 absolutely cheap you know, if mm-hmm. if if I wasn't working for you know my employer where we have compliance issues because you can't own a company mm-hmm. that you cover, this is this to me is the best well-run cement company in Africa. That's and Tanzania, Portland, yeah. Tanzania, Portland. Also, in terms of balance sheet, theirs is as strong. No, theirs is even stronger than Bamburi's. They have zero debt in their balance sheet. Um, they also have a significant amount of money in their as, as cash. They have about uh, fifty-five million dollars as cash. Just to put that in in context, the second biggest player in Tanzania is called Tanga Cement. This is a, a subsidiary of Afrisam from South Africa. The amount of cash that Heidelberg Cement in Tanzania has in their books of fifty-five million dollars, they can comfortably buy a hundred percent of Tanga Cement in the market because the current market cap of Tanga Cement is $11 million. They can buy that five times over if they so wish. Wow. The amount they, of money that they have- They have what? what? What in cash? They have $55 million in cash. Wow. They can okay. buy the second biggest player by market share in Tanzania five times mm-hmm. over using that cash. Mm-hmm. They can increase their grinding capacity in tanzania using that cash without taking any debt by a million tons mm-hmm. it's it's a fantastic company i mean i mean when it comes to dividend to be honest with you the tanzanians mm-hmm. are paying way more than the kenyans even the banks if you look at the banks 
very undervalued mm. banks mm. paying very strong dividends compared to yeah. Kenya. And Tanzania mm. as a whole, if you look at the macro situation, debt to GDP approaching 40%, they're operating at a deficit of about 2.8% versus Kenya of 8%. They're in mm. a very strong position. Even the new president, you know, expect this, a lot of investors now to come back and rush into Tanzania. Because I'm yeah. sure she'll open the country. I'm sure she'll sign a lot of deals. So yeah, for me, we still beat them in uh, GDP per cap. So do you sorry? expect them to? Out, we still beat them in GDP per cap um, per capita. Do you still expect them to have as much uh, disposable income uh, uh, vis-a-vis the Kenyan players? I think that's where we, we beat them pants down. You know, can we remember uh, way back in the day when you used to work with Alan Campbell? Yeah. I remember back then, that was in 2014, I told Alan, I think TZ, I think TZ, in the next two decades will overtake Kenya. And I still stand Mm -hmm. by that. I think in Mm -hmm. 20 years, Tanzania Mm -hmm. will be way, way ahead than than Kenya. I think Mm -hmm. we'll be overtaken by these guys, to be honest. Because, I mean, here we're playing around. Those guys actually Mm want to find a job. Because Mm -hmm. they're actually working. Um, I, I think, I mean, nobody is talking about the natural gas reserves that there are in Tanzania. Nobody is talking mm-hmm. about that potential here. That mm-hmm. thing is going, I mean, it's going to blow up. It's going to mm-hmm. be, yeah, it's going to blow up. Mm-hmm. That, that country is mm-hmm. of in a panda. Okay, no worries. I'll meet you and we, we, we can discuss about that. I'm strong on Kenya. I think uh, I, it's tough for me to see how TZ will will, uh, will beat us, not unless we continue this BBI nonsense and stuff. But I think we still have laid solid foundations. Uh, but right about now, maybe I can just take it back to Eric. I know we are on stolen yeah. time. Yeah, sorry, Eric. Hmm. Felix, Eric? Felix, uh, maybe 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 I'll just um, pick it up. I know we've had a lot uh, to discuss, uh, but maybe I just request to cut us short at that for today's session. Uh, thanks a lot, Moses. Kev, we can continue with this discussion po- possibly um, next week. We can pick up from this on Wednesday if you don't mind. At least you can. All right. Okay then. Okay. So thanks a lot. I believe the data that Moses has given us today. Uh, talking about cement, I believe if guys were keenly following, then they can actually mm-hmm. use that to build their portfolio. Totally, totally. I mean, he's, he's amazing. Take the cement to build the portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 guys. Uh, basically, whatever we I've, I've come up with today is, I'd rather buy the cement from East African Portland than to buy the share for East African Portland cement. So that's one thing. So, <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> Yeah, but, so, so I'm hoping that we can pick up from that next week. I think Moses had a but before we close. No, no, no. All right, Moses. Okay. I'm good, I'm good. Thank you, guys. Thank you for the All opportunity. Right. Thanks Kev, a lot. Kevin, you have one? No, uh, I, I'm with you on that. You'd rather, I mean, uh, I love Bamburi. I'd, I'd say I totally, I, I've looked at uh, uh, East African. I've, I've been in, in constant touch with Moses, I think, for over 10 years now it has never crossed uh as a buy uh to me i don't know who would own it or why they would own it i'd rather be stuck in baburi if i have to be stuck in kenya but what moses said about tanzania and about twiga because he showed me uh, a few insights on that i think that's something guys would want to should really look into and tanzania is not all that uh locked up uh i think in the next discussion we can discuss on how to access some of these ea markets more so uganda 
uh, Tanzania and Rwanda, and I'm happy to share some of the insights. I'm sorry, I know I've missed a couple of uh, your invitations, but next week I'll be here same t- same day, same time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right, then. Uh, thank you. Thanks, everyone, who tuned in to today's session. It's been an awesome uh, discussion for us here. Uh, we call it an end at today's discussion at that, but we'll see you guys next week as we pick up from where we are. If you had your whiskey, if you had your tea, if you had your wine, uh, cheers to that and see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.